Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, dear listeners. Have you got ears? Because I've got some sound waves, waffle waves, if you will, coming right at you. Welcome to Floaters. My name is Sophia, and I'm coming to you live from Studio Wardrobe. Where else would I be? Ah, how are you all doing? You doing well? Getting through? Oh my God! Hang on, I've got. I've got a dog at the door. <laughs> He's trying to get in. Gussie, for Pete's sake, he never wants to come in here. This is this is live. Oh no. Okay, just shh, shh. it's fine. It's fine. Um he never wants to come in here. He usually hates being in here at the same time as me. But uh yeah. Fun. Anyway, um what's been going on with me? Well, to be honest with you listeners, I've uh, I've had a rough a few rough mental health health days. I can't even say it anymore. It's been that rough. <laughs> but um I'm pleased to announce that I'm I'm on the path of bouncing back. Yeah, baby. I mean it's weird when you do bounce back, isn't it? Because eventually like you realise well the bad days they almost seem like a dream, don't they? Like right now I'm like, I don't know her. Who is she from two days ago? Who even is that? I don't I, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> But uh, thanks to those those few days, it meant that I did lots of buckling down and cocooning under all of my many, many blankets and watching some cracking films, which I will tell you all about in the after waffle portion of this episode. But for now, let me tell you about this episode. Today, I'm talking with my guest about um, her extreme Photoshop skills and how far those skills have got her, um, her creative process. Uh, the difference between direct and indirect feedback. <laughs> and if you haven't already, please check out the article from um, that Paulina recommended from episode 23, how to say crap in different um, in different languages, because uh, it really works well with uh, this episode. Um, and there are also moments you'll hear when um, my impression of Anthony Clare gets out of hand, and there's also some good old Brexit chat to be found in this episode. But... Listen, this woman is extraordinary. Not only did she immigrate to the UK at 19 all on her own, but she's bossing it in the graphic design world. It is Anadora. So I grew up in Hungary. Uh, I was, uh, my family was moving to Hesse to Budapest when I was one year old. And I was living there till age of 19 when I immigrated to the UK. So, like, if 19 is like an adult, then I would say I was growing up in Budapest, Hungary. What prompted your move to the UK? Oh, it was really practical. So in, in, the, in Hungary, there's just like uh, one or two, like, art and design university. And it's quite hard to get in. And it's like a bit corrupt. So you don't necessarily get in just because you are talented. Mm. And opposite to that, I actually got into Central St. Martins. Uh, and so I came to the UK to university. I didn't like, uh, like, it wasn't a plan for me to stay here that long. To be fair, I, I didn't have a plan. It was a really quick decision. But so yes, basically, like, I I had to go to university. Like, uh, in my firm, it wasn't a choice to 
not going to the university, like that would be a big trouble. So that's why I, I came to the UK. Yeah, and what an opportunity. I mean, for those people listening who don't know, Central St. Martins is one of the best art schools in the UK. So, of course, you had to take that opportunity. Well, you know what? I also didn't know that it's such a, like, famous, because I studied graphic design, and that's actually, like, one of the uh, top course, but I didn't know, didn't know that. I just applied because that was literally the first thing that came up to in Google, that, like, London Design University. And, okay. That will do man like us because I had backup option if I wouldn't get into the Hungarian one. And I was really like, you know, uh, stupidly confident and I thought that I would there's no such a chance that I don't get into the Hungarian one. But just in case, uh, just in case was like the San Martin, so mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank God you did. I mean, sometimes I find as well, it's probably best to just go into these things completely blind and just completely go for it. Because maybe maybe if you knew the context of the place, maybe you wouldn't have even applied, but it's worked out perfectly for you. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 impressive because like, uh, yeah, like I even didn't speak English when I actually like went to university. Like, I shouldn't tell it here, but like, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. So I didn't have the language exam, but you needed to start a course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I used my Photoshop skills to getting into the course. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that's a small part of it. Isn't it? <laughs> but it's been for a while, you know, like, so I haven't the language exam since then, like, uh, I learned from my mistakes, but uh, yeah, like uh, I, I do agree that like it's always better if you just uh, go with the flow. And you know, you should have got extra marks for those uh, Photoshop skills because that must have been flawless. My Photoshop skills always got me like m- much more far than I I thought I can get. Like <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, do you know, there was actually, um, this is slightly off topic, but I recently watched the film Parasite. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, say again? Par- it's called, Parasite. Yeah, it's called Parasite and it's a, it's a Korean film. And um, oh, yeah. there's a moment in the film where one of the girls is really good at Photoshop. So she ends up um, helping lots of people uh, with different documents and things. It just made me think of that. Not that you do that at all. Uh, that I don't want to say anything. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, but anyway, let's move on swiftly then. Um, so um, w- since then, um, have you stayed in London or have you found yourself traveling around the UK? Oh no, I didn't. I I was I came to London and I stuck in London. I never been the traveling type. Like uh, like there are people who actually enjoy traveling, but I so I was lucky enough that I traveled quite a lot with my parents when I was younger, and uh, even if I was lucky enough, it was much more. You know, it was so natural for me that like that I saw the cities in Europe and stuff like that. So I never had this kind of burning feeling to see the world. And so now I'm in London. I actually like moved a bit because it's like uh, I'm in zone six. It's not like central anymore mm. because I got my own flat slash studio like uh, one or two years before, two years before, before the pandemic. <clears throat> so, but yeah, it's always been London. Like, um, like how I said, I, I'm not a, like a traveling type. 
-hmm. I was thinking to, to maybe like trying out the US at some point, uh, like, but I would have a good reason to go there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like, uh, yeah, pretty much boring, just, just a head city. <laughs> Uh, where are you based, by the way? You said that you like uh, moved for the pandemic, but where is it? So I moved to Wiltshire. I'm in the southwest of the UK, but I did live in London for seven years beforehand. So I moved from London to here. Um, so um, it's very different here. It's very much the countryside. And <laughs> there's lots of like green everywhere and trees. So it's it's kind of nice. It's a big change from London and it's taken me a while to settle in. But I think I'm definitely, I'm finally there. It's been long enough. <laughs> so I'm definitely there now. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's always good to have a change of scenery sometimes. But uh, yeah, hopefully, who knows, one day I'll return to London. One day. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, spare room. I just got a newsletter like from them today. What's cut off fancy because I'm pretty sure that that's signed off for like years before. But so they said these stats that like uh, the London prices dropped because like 40% of the people saying that they moved out from London and they never want to go back. So the prices should be nice there now. Oh, well, that I mean, I keep getting those emails from like um, all these you know, you're, um, I'm subscribed to loads of websites like onthemarket.com and I'm getting loads of them from London saying reduced, reduced flat. <laughs> it's very tempting, but uh, I'll have to wait a, a little longer, I think. Yeah, like you, or you should never go back. Like, I don't know that I would go back to the head city again. Like, it's not that tempting anymore. Are you more about sort of moving forward then, would you say? Is that more of your mindset? <sighs> Um, I, since so like, um, my mask is like, you know, now I'm pretty much hopefully like in that last period of my life and I'm, I'm single, but like when I would move, then I would consider like where I want to raise kids. Uh, so like, uh, like at some point I thought that UK is a nice thing for that. Uh, but uh, in the last few years, like, they took a few directions when I started to questioning it. So that would be, like, a consideration, like, uh, if I if I would move, like, where I would want to have a family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a really strange time in the UK. Um, uh, I mean, not just the pandemic, but it was weird anyway. Um, and uh, but I wonder if we could if we could take it back, take it back um, a little bit to uh, when you were growing up um, in Hungary. Um, and I'm curious to know what kind of uh, what kind of school child um, school kid were you? Oh, I was the worst. Like uh, <laughs> so. In Hungary, like there's like uh, the uh, the um, uh, schools when you want to go to university, so you don't specialize in the subject in the high school. Like they, they quite often you get into that kind of schools from age of 11 to age of 18, so it's a bit different kind of system. And I was studying quite well, so I got into the uh, high school like that, where everybody went to university by big chance and became like, you know, lawyers, engineers, you know, all that kind of jobs that our parents want for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like when you're 11, it, your 
we see not shining through, but like as I started to be a teenager, it was really turning out that I'm not necessarily fitting in. Um, so I was always a bit like the troublemaker between like, I, not a thing that I made the trouble, I just was necessary fitting in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but opposite to that was, I was even that time like extremely hardworking. So I was in this like quite elite school, like uh, with like 40 classes in a week. And I had another school for my art studies in Friday evening, Saturday full day. Sunday full day and Monday evening, also like roughly 30 hours. So I pretty much had double the classes than it was. Uh, because of that, I was a private student. So like at first look, I would say that uh, when you saw me, you would think, okay, I'm a really like crazy arts type. But uh, if you would really look into my lifestyle, I was like pretty much a workaholic child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wonder, that's probably your creative side, maybe, striving to get through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, um, I'm not necessarily my creative side, but, like, um, I I actually, like, work quite a lot in fashion. And, like, uh, I always, like, uh, even if I'm not a fashion designer, I always get excited about, like, human looks. And, you know, like, I just really liked the idea to, like, doing that on myself. So I had, like, like fire red hair and, like, really, like, uh, almost like a pixie-looking kind of clothes. And they just really, like, uh, like that kind of alternative reality what it gave to me. Mm-hmm. Like, also, I was part of the gothic subculture. And it's not because I took it, like, uh, like seriously, like, the gothic, like, lifestyle or the point in any kind of sense. But I just really like that, oh, my God, Halloween on every weekend. It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I just really like this kind of, yeah, the theater part of it. Mm, yeah, the self-expression that comes with it, the what you wear and the statement that you make. Yeah, I wouldn't go that deep. I wouldn't go that deep. But, like, uh, I just I just really enjoy it, like, on somehow. Like, in the same way, like, you know, watching a movie, like, you are, like, almost you are the movie. <laughs> I mean, and and, and in Hungary, um, what's it like uh, as someone who wants to go into the arts or into a creative field? Um, Is it, um, did you say that there were were schools, potential schools that you were looking to get into that specialised in uh, that sort of field? Yeah, so that's why partly I'd never moved back. Like the other part is political, but it's a different kind of thing. So there's like two schools, like one for art, one for design, and pretty much that's it if you want to study like uh, on the creative field in a university level. And so it's like, it's extremely limited. And really like uh, people these days who getting further in design and art, they are not the talented ones, but like the ones who have like good connections. So unfortunately, the oral country with like uh like working on this way in these days that like uh it's much more with really like uh connections that not about pure talent and um and on the top of that like the industry is quite uh conservative in a sense mm-hmm. so now in london i'm like enough that people coming to me that 
because I make like really crazy stuff, but like absolutely out from the box. And that's what I love to do. And like, um, and that's what they want me to do. But in Hungary, I would never, I could never have that title, a graphic designer and doing the same kind of work what I do now, like in London. Mm-hmm. Like obviously it's a different kind of thing if you're working for remote and I know people doing that. Uh, but I don't think it's the same. Like uh, for me, particularly, it was a really good thing that culturally I had I changed from Hungary. Uh, so yeah, like um, um, yeah, like the short answer that like being a creative in Hungary, it's it's not it's not great. Mm. It's not respected, not well paid, not exciting. It's they just really like uh, a bit killed out the magic from it. Mm. Like, um, yeah, I guess that's the situation just now, but like, um, you know, things can change and I hope they will, once they will get there too. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, so um, I, I know that you don't have plans particularly to go back to Hungary and work there, but um, have you have you looked into it just out of interest to see, you know, if the landscape has changed at all or uh, or whether it's still pretty much the same as you left it? Okay, so it's like um, when I when I did my BA after I was thinking, okay, what's next? And um, the next one that I, I applied for a master, but then I started a bit look around like uh, what's happening in the design world in Hungary these days. And obviously like in the design world, like um, it's, it's a quite like you can see like uh, the great people from everywhere so even if i live in london i know like the great designers in the us in spain there's lots of there so it's like uh it doesn't matter where they are located if they are great like they are standing out but somehow i could hardly find just really few amount of talents from like hungary and even them they are not working with hungarian clients Mm. so like uh, i think it says a lot about that and also in case of money-wise, so like um, pretty much I wouldn't, like I think the Hungarian average graphic designer salary is the same amount of money in a month what I make in a day in London. Oh, so, wow. Yes, it's like, you know, just like they just couldn't open, they just couldn't pay for me when to opening my laptop. Like. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely makes sense then um, that your work would take you here. And um, and when you turned up in the UK, um, did you experience, I mean, as well as not being able to speak the language, which is, of course, quite a, a, a culture shock in itself, did you, um, what was the whole move and the experience like when you first got here, like your first year? Uh, it was to be fair like I didn't realize that time but looking back now it was like like ridiculous like it was like oh such a tough year but I didn't know you know like where you have a really hard situation I and and if you are not actually like depressed or ideas stuff like that you don't even realize how hard is it so I didn't have friends for a year, I think. Like, it's, I'm not like the most social person, so it took time. And yeah, it was it was really hard. And also like the cultural difference, how people communicating. 
that was like a, something that absolutely I was lost for years to understanding British people. Because like in Hungary, people really straightforward, don't mind to be mean, they don't sugarcoat, there's no candy first. Like um, like just some examples. So in my art school, my my art teacher, she had comments like if she didn't like something like, take it home and show to your mother, maybe she will like it. <laughs> or like, take it far, it's fuck my eyes. So that was her first constructive critics. And next to the city, there were like, like British people there. Yeah, it's great, just maybe that or that. And um, what are you talking about? So it's like, it took a while to understanding that they, they mean the same thing. They just, they're just like, quoting it. Yeah, I mean, British people's indirectness is definitely something that's, um, yeah, I guess has to be learned as you go because no one, no one tells you. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, and I, I, I still like a bit like had to catch up with it, um, but uh, yeah, like, so it's like that's something absolutely I learned like just by the language, and uh, you know, like um, I, that was quite a hard part for it to be fair. Like, I wish someone would have told to me like that's this uh, different thing because. Their difference is what you can see and they are obvious. But this kind of such difference is what takes long years to really understand. Mm-hmm. And in case of the humor, I do find British people like the humor is great. Like, um, not all the time, but but cut of town. Like, th- mm-hmm. that was maybe the easier part. Because really, particularly like, um, if you have like a, like a business meeting or whatever, like... Um, that's even the hardest, I think, when I have my own clients and stuff like that. Uh, then they really can can be rather like um, like unaffected than just polite. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess something what uh, what uh, makes us special that we have our own way. Mm-hmm. And I wonder that with now with what's like you know of course brexit's happened in the uk um which was really shocked um well shocked me a remainer for sure um but i wonder how that affected you as someone who sort of established your life here and your and you know for work and your social life sorry i'm not making sense and i'm running over my words let me start again as someone like yourself who has um yeah, who's established your life here. I wonder what effect Brexit had on your future plans. Um, it, it didn't really have the plans on me. So, because I'm here for so long, it's like 10 years, more than 10 years. Mm. And like, I kind of knew that it will happen. I mean, I didn't knew like 100%, but like uh, partly why I did my master's straightforward, my BA, it was because like, uh, there were the time that Cameron promised that there will be a voting about remaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was pretty sure that he promised it that he had to do it. And I was pretty sure that like, if there is a voting that they want to leave. Um, I was surprised that they actually like went it through and it's actually happening because like, um, there were actually another country, like I think it's Groenland that they also voted like they wanted to leave the EU, but mm-hmm. back in the 70s, 80s, 
and they voted that to leave, but somehow they just didn't manage to get it through. Mm-hmm. So I was I was thinking that maybe something can happen like that in the in the UK because it was clearly uh, in both sides they had like zero clue how to do this. It. So it's like you know it was like they were like teenagers, like mm. she didn't know what she does and didn't see anything. <laughs> anyway. Um, but there was, um, I wouldn't say I feel any effect till now. Um, it's not a nice thing, obviously. Like, uh, and uh, and it's particularly not nice that it's not good for the for UK itself and how they don't understand. So, like, it's rather bothering me, like in a in a theoretical sense that, like. Uh, they would rather like uh, it's such a small human thing to hate people just because they're from somewhere else mm. and i think it's so against for everything that made make us special as humans mm. and i'm really sad about that people still don't understand it and we still have to talk about this kind of things uh but yeah from the other hand i do understand like um that like uh Lots of people can hardly move with the changes, and sometimes, particularly like uh, in such a important country than the UK, like maybe that it was a bit too quick move, mm. and uh, just the generation couldn't grow up what actually could be it. Mm. So yeah, it happens. Like uh, it hurts for me as a as a human being, but in my personal life, I wouldn't say it's a problem. So like any of my clients, like uh, I never heard, never ever anyone said for me that maybe it will be a problem to working together again. I still working with British clients. Like uh, the only thing that maybe I saw that like uh, uh, I have to have like a strict regulation. So for example, Burberry, they got some really strict systems like seeing my passport, like my checkings and all, all the things like that. Mm. But they do it for everyone, not just for, for me. So they also do it for British people. Uh, they're just, they just they just think they're the NASA. They are like really safe in every kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, so it's shame on humankind. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you know, British people—they are not the only ones. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's true for sure. And uh, I mean, actually, let's talk about your work some more then. So, um, what kind of work are you up to now, and um, what's your sort of client demographic? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so now I ha- I'm working on two projects actually. I'm rebranding. Uh, independent film trust and uh, and building their website and they will have like an agency side independent film presents and i'm working on that one and they are british and the other one is like super dry uh, they are also like a british brand but uh, they are international i do believe and uh, so they are like british but before that like i would say it's mixture i have maybe 10, 20 percent of clients from the US. Um, I have like uh, from European cities around. That's I would say another like uh, 20 percent. So maybe half of my clients they are British. Um, 
And yeah, like, uh, sorry, what was the other part of the question? <laughs> oh, no, I was just asking. So, yeah, what's the demographic sort of of your um, of your clients and what sort of work are you up to? So, like, is it more for, yeah, do you work, because um, you mentioned Burberry, so you work for fashion brands? Yeah, so I, I tend to work quite a lot in fashion. Um, like, uh, I was working with Burberry a, a year before, I think, and now with Super Dry, and like um, I was working with like um, Dorothy Perkins, Hunter Boot, like um, Aquascutum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, who else? I was working with a lot, but yeah, like they're the British brands, I think. Mm. So um, with your work as well, and working with all these interesting and like big sort of companies, does your work take you, or pre-pandemic of course, does it take you um, abroad for like um, consultations or sort of meetings, that sort of thing? Or is it very much like you're able to work straight from your studio? Uh, So I do everything like from my studio, but like uh, we have like, um, so for example, like uh, Super Dry, they had office like, uh, it's not even in the in London, mm. uh, so it would be hard for me to be there. But be absolutely managing well, like the remote kind of thing. And I think it's helped a lot in pandemic that like just people forced to do, uh, first forced to work on this way. And I think it's actually really good because like um, my idea was when I bought my studio that like I don't want to like working as a contractor to sit in other people's office. And people before that, they really liked just me seeing there and I really hated it. And it was way less productive than when I'm working at home and I can do yoga in the morning and stuff like that. Uh, so now it's like absolute remote, even like um, even like such a things that, you know, our directing a photo shoot was like, you actually would have to be in physical sense, become managing it like in a remote sense. Mm-hmm. So it's affecting it, it's changing it, and I'm really happy about it. Like, um, I think like the old fashioned, like sitting in an office kind of models, they, they're not great for creative productivity. Like for me, it was, it really hurt me, particularly because like, uh, I'm much more personal for myself. So I have like two hours for, for people on a day. After mm-hmm. that, it makes me exhausted, so. <laughs> Well, it sounds that you were um, you were quite ahead of not well as well as it helping your creative process, but also you really beat the pandemic to it as well because of course now lots of people are working from home or needing that sort of space to work in. Whereas you have already you've already bagged a space. Oh yeah, like um, yeah, I guess um, even if I didn't plan the pandemic, it actually like was pretty fitting to me. Like, obviously, I it was frightening, but, like, it was fitting to me. So it's like, because uh, I moved out from London, like, uh, just a year before the pandemic. And I was, like, leaving my my permanent job, like, just a few months before the pandemic. Mm. So it was, like, uh, and that was my plan that I spent, like, two, three years hardcore concentrating on my work and, like, uh, just re-establish my like Korean a place where you want to be. Uh, and for that, you know, it's just quite destructive to living like in central London. 
So yeah, like for me, it's like we worked out. Like, um, I, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm happy that it's slowly over. Um, but I think we really needed it as humankind. I think people just start to get really crazy. Like, um, and there's this kind of concept that like um, people like uh, it's a genetic problem that people cannot just sit like in themselves and do nothing. Like uh, we always like getting stimulating stuff, you know, by our phone, by our busy life, like in the city, uh, always meeting someone, always watching something. And it just like, uh, even if you enjoy it, it just like really turns up and down the human nature. And so I think like the chimp inside us is quite happy now a bit after the pandemic and we really need it in a sense i think people even if it's like it was shocking so it's like uh, but i guess uh, humankind just cannot learn on, on the on the nice way so we need it yeah yeah i think I, it was a good thing in a sense i think i agree yeah i mean it, like i mean i agree with you and i'm happy it's kind of you know coming to an end but yeah, at the same time, I think I was one of those people who really struggled to sit in sort of stillness for a long time and be alone with my own thoughts. And and especially being in London, I was always constantly, yeah, like you say, on the move or if I'm, you know, on the tube or on the bus or whatever, I'd always have my headphones on, always listening to a podcast or some music or something. And so there was always some kind of noise um, and a distraction from what was going on around me. Um, and it's been a really reflective time, I suppose, as you say, for a lot yeah. of people. Um, and we probably, yeah, it was good for me to sort of take a, take a leaf out of that and sort of realise that because... Um, yeah, I mean, especially here, because of course I'm not in, in the city anymore, so I'm sort of just surrounded by nature a lot more, which is also nice and something that I've really, you know, appreciated during this time, especially not being able to, you know, I, I couldn't imagine living where I was before, you know, <laughs> I was living um, somewhere where there was like the tiniest balcony and it was on a busy sort of main road. And um, now I don't take my outside space for granted at all, you know, um, which is very important to me and going for long walks and that sort of thing um but it's been an interesting time to sit with your own thoughts and in stillness i mean would, is that something you'd say that you perhaps were a bit more comfortable with um than some people before going into the pandemic oh yeah like um i've always been like really like able to control myself in a sense so like uh, like i think other people, they are much more like getting the fear of missing out about social things. For me, it never really been a problem, like um, to like taking that apart and just like reconcentrating really in things that matter to me in the longer term. Mm -hmm. By the way, you didn't mention like, uh, so you have this podcast and do you have anything like uh, what you are doing for living on the top of that or this is your main thing? Well, yeah, so um, for money, I work in a shop, um, but for my passion, I work as um, I do this. Um, I do some writing as well, articles as well as plays. And um, oh, I also do some um, script consulting on the side as well. I've recently been doing workshops for um, a female-led um, 
company, a theatre company, which has been really fun, actually, um, to connect with different creatives over Zoom, much like this, um, except huge groups of people. And um, and yeah, really get into it. It's really nice, especially the theatre side. It's, it's quite fun to see people get excited again about making work. Um, so yeah, that's that's also what I do. But for money, I work in a shop. <laughs> It's great that you are doing different kind of things. Like, uh, I guess, like, yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm lucky because, like, I, I made design, but it's my only thing. But it's so nice that you have, like, diverse, like, uh, how you spend your time. Mm, I mean, for me, sometimes I think, oh, maybe it's too many things. Maybe I should really just try and, like, like yourself, really hone in on my craft on one thing and really, really invest in it. But on the other hand, um, my sister said, no, you just like a new challenge. <laughs> you just like to keep your brain active that way. So I guess that's uh, that's kind of what I do. Um, but also, I mean, with this, it's a different kind of creative outlook because usually if I'm creating something, I'm speaking the stories of, oh, like writing about other the people or you know um talking about experiences that i haven't necessarily had um and i guess in this way like it's more personal for me to be able to speak to people like real people and and discuss these stories and and it's nice you can also do it from home it's it's covid friendly this activity which is always nice yeah for sure like covid friendly like i i just wish there would be a day where i won't know this term anymore <laughs> Oh, that'll be a good day. That'll be a really good day. <laughs> and um, I wanted to ask you a bit more about um, like your family um, in Hungary. Um, have you, like since moving to London and, um, and uh, obviously, again, this is pre-pandemic, <laughs> how often would you go back to see them? Um, I would say like uh, once a year. So I always go back for Christmas. That's something but non-negotiable for my mom. <laughs> and uh, usually we go for a holiday together, like in the summer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I go back home just for once, but I or maybe twice. Uh, but I always see them like uh, for a week or so in the summer. Mm -hmm. Did your family um, support you through your transition to the UK were they were they behind you um or or were they a bit sort of worried for you uh good question um I don't we never really talked about that like um and I never really said that I want to talk about how does it feel to migrate I guess it was a bit tricky because like it's such an enormous difference that like uh, like I who didn't experience particularly like from migrating from Eastern Europe to to London like uh, who didn't experience it they just cannot understand it and I also didn't know what's going like uh, that it's something what's actually maybe talk about it's like uh, it's never really been a topic like they obviously been really supportive like with my studies like uh, my mom mainly um, and like in that kind of sense but like not necessarily about like the immigration part like but they I always said like uh, I got like wedding together family but it wasn't like specialized for the for migrating thing so like um, 
yeah, like that that wasn't really a topic. Like uh, mm. it was. Now I know that it's quite a shocking and big thing, but uh, but I really just realized in the last few years that uh, that it's something that like in age of nineteen, like you are moving to another country and you a bit have to overwrite your identity. Mm. Uh, so yeah, like uh, uh, yeah, like I. I I would say I got support for them. Obviously, like they they always there for me, like in a sense. Uh, but uh, but part about the migrating, I think it was much more like just I had to talk with, with myself. Like uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, it's interesting that you're bringing it up because like uh, my mom, she's also like she's she's from a really small village. And she went. Uh, she went to the like the head city of Budapest, and like that, I would guess that would be like a similar kind of transition. Mm. Uh, but still, she never really, I think, brought it up that like, uh, like uh, how I feel about the migrating part. But I guess because she's made from stone, so it's like for any kind of like migration, repression and stuff like that, who maybe other people have. Like, you know, she just would think, ah, come on, that's nothing for me kind of thing. <laughs> so she, she always be like that kind of like hardcore in like being Brazilian. <laughs> so I guess that's why she didn't think about the, maybe my soft artistic soul is handling a little harder. <laughs> Yeah, she's probably just got on with it. And, and um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's probably, yeah, it's a generational thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, but how is it she has like, like the same kind of thing? But uh, yeah, like, um, I guess because she handled like uh, the same or even maybe harder situation, she just thought like, like, I should not bitch about this kind of things. <laughs> like, I should be happy that I could migrate because she has like. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and looking back now um, to that, that move that you'd made and and with the benefit of hindsight, um, I wonder what sort of advice would you give your younger self now if she was right there in front of you about to make the move, what would you say to her? Good question. Mm. Mm. I guess I would make myself more aware that like uh, that it's actually happening, that it's really like like you will have to like you will have some really hardcore years. Uh, and I also would make myself aware that but you can do it. Because I really like uh, I was so lack of like uh, like of understanding about my situation for quite a while. Like that I I almost like that's why I almost take it longer, the process to really like uh, migrate in every kind of sense mm. that I wasn't conscious enough. And like, uh, and when I started to be, I started to freak out because I was, I was really in the mid-station that I cannot really go back, but like, I still like have no clue how to go forward. Um, so yeah, I guess I just would have told myself that yet, yeah, that's really like that you're moving to another country, but like, uh, you are actually mean to do that. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. I think, um, yeah, I, I like to ask that question because it's interesting to see what, yeah, what the benefit of hindsight does. Um, uh, and, uh, and yeah, if you could do it all again, like, would you, you know? 
Oh, totally. Like, I mean, I wouldn't do on the same way how I did before. But like, uh, if I would have like a thousand options to do that, like uh, with a thousand different kind of life path options, like in alternative reality, like in 988, I would go to London or maybe somewhere else. Like, um, yeah, I'm I'm a bit sort of saying it, but like I always mean to live hungry. I think I remember when I was a teenager, like 14, 15, and I absolutely wasn't like a traveling type kind of type. I had like one kind of thinking one day that that I just have to leave this country and it was really just an instinct things. I had this small understanding about the world in that time, but I just somehow that had the kind of gut feeling that that country didn't meet for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people actually that I talked to on this podcast, they experienced that sort of same same thing um, of, you know, if, if when I ask, you know, why did you go this place for the university or why did you decide that was the place for you? It seems to be very, um, yeah, instinctive and impulsive almost. There's like a, a, just a feeling that draws you in that direction. Yeah, that's interesting that you're saying. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who had no plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess like, because uh, um, like uh, I think it's a good like time to migrate like when you go to university because you are adult enough that you basically you don't kill yourself personally because you forgot to eat and stuff like that <laughs> and uh, but you are still like quite like uh, fluid to pick up a different kind of world mm. uh, so but also like uh, I don't know about like other people but like uh, I, w- I would consider myself that I was fairly a smart kid but I was such a like dumb ass about like re-understanding about this full process and what it means about your identity, like that you are moving to another country. I didn't even know that there's such a thing. Like it's like, uh, uh, so yeah, like uh, like I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, you are not alone. Not alone at all. Um, and um, I'll round off our conversation today by asking if there is anything at all that you would like to plug or promote on the podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so, like, it would be lovely, like, to connect with people, like, uh, on Dots or Instagram or whatever they prefer platform, and they can find me on Anadora Lashik name. Isn't she just the most down-to-earth, genuine, and all-round lovely person. Isn't she just? Thank you so much, Anna, for wanting to be on the podcast and chat with me. And um, if you want to check out her work, her Instagram handle is in the show notes. I've, I've got your back, guys. I've done the research. It's all in there for you. And as you heard in the episode, I finally watched Parasite. It's brilliant. It's so good. It's one of those ones you know, the films that really just drop you in the middle of the world of the film. And you're in it. Once you've been dropped in it, you're in it right to the end. And wow, it was it was really good. Really well written and directed. All the things. I mean, it got all the awards. Of course it's good, right? And um, oh, what's the other one I watched? Promising Young Woman. Dude, Promising Young Woman. If you can watch it, by any means necessary, you should watch this film. Doesn't matter who you are. It's an important one. It's a good one. And um, 
it may be triggering for some. So I'll put that out there. But everyone should watch that. I really needed <laughs> needed a breather after watching it myself. And uh, and here's a the next one is it's not quite so um, uh, should we say critically acclaimed. But I watched Bad Trip, the Eric Andre prank film. If you want to watch something silly, and if you don't mind a bit of crude humour, go for it. Why not? It's. I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and also, while I'm here, I wanted to say thank you guys for all of your lovely emails and messages that I've been getting through recently. Uh, it really... It means the world to receive kind words from you guys and from all around the world and uh, and to put names to all the numbers that I see coming through of people listening. So um, if you want to get in touch, uh, the email is it's always there for you. So um, it's floaterspod at gmail.com. And as always, please remember to like, rate, review, comment and subscribe. And when you give us a rating five stars would be preferable a thank you and uh, if you want to keep up to date with all things floaters we're instagram guys we're an instagram based pod so uh at floaters underscore podcast that's where you can find us and there's nothing left to say other than thanks once again to anna for chatting with me thank you to adora for your help with graphics and aral for your sound help and as always thank you to you dear listener until next time